0: works. We're getting there. If you're new with us here this morning, I want to welcome you. There's a a card in the back of of the pew that we'd encourage you um, to fill out so we can get to know you a little bit better, and I hope you'll stick around um, after for a few minutes so we can talk to you. I'm uh, kind of new, too, like we said last week, um, and so I'm excited to get to meet you after service. Um, This morning, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower. Um, One of the most beloved of American artists was Norman Rockwell. He passed away uh, about 40 years ago. I think it's 41 years now, but a lot of ordinary Americans really loved his work. We got some of it on the screen. Um, It was beloved by ordinary Americans, but he, he was shut out of the art establishment of his day. He didn't paint like they did, and he, they said that you know he wasn't anything more than a street artist or a common illustrator, and, and maybe they were right. I don't know anything about art. I do know uh, that painting right there doesn't look like any of the, the random blobs of paint you see in most art galleries, so um, maybe he is different somehow. And, and Rockwell sat down in an interview with The New Yorker to explain the difference in his style of painting and that of most contemporary modern artist with this story. He said uh, that 10 or 15 years ago, when he was telling the story, a bohemian art student complete with the the beard and the long hair and the sandals kept hanging around the, the studio that he was renting. And one day, um, the man interrupted his work a- and asked him why he was working on this painting of Johnny Appleseed, which showed an old man with a, an iron kettle on his head and a burlap sack for a coat. Uh, striding across the hilltop, flinging out handfuls of seed. What do you do it that way for? The art student asked. What do you mean? Well, Why don't you do it with more feeling? He asked. Like this. And He pulled out a, a piece of colored chalk out of his pocket and he outlined a tall rectangle on the page. Now, filling it in with a little bit of light brown chalk, a shape of a hawk's beak. That's old Johnny's body. It was brown by the wind and the sun, okay? Okay, Nor, uh, Rockwell re- responded a little bit, uh, taken aback. Okay, he was kind of a religious fanatic, right? The art student asked me, and I nodded dumbly. So whites, that's his spirit. And the reds, the, that's the physical part of him. And they're contending, the, the physical and the spiritual. And he rubbed some blue chalk over the area below the hawk's beak. That's nature. And he made the base of the, the rectangle dark brown, and that's the earth. And then he added a hand, casting out some seed. And, and when he'd finished, he said, "You know, Rockwell responded, what, but nobody knows that's Johnny Appleseed. You know, only you know it's Johnny Appleseed. Nobody else who c- can tell who it is. So, what difference does it make? I know it's Johnny, and I am painting for myself. Who cares about the unwashed masses? You know, Rockwell's point was that modern artists, as he saw it, often painted only for their own satisfaction. The story of Johnny Appleseed merely served as a a backdrop for that truth. But Appleseed's story also served as kind of a backdrop for the truth Jesus taught here in this parable of Luke chapter 8. It says, starting in verse 4, And when a great multitude had gathered, and they would come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." You know, everywhere Johnny Appleseed went, he planted apple seeds. And the story goes that, see, <laughs> I don't know, planted apple seeds, and the story goes that he taught about Jesus everywhere you want. You could say that he was a steward of both kinds of seeds. He wanted apples to be easily accessible to all people, and he wanted Christ to be easily understood by all people. And he did this because he cared, but this modern artist, this, this art student, didn't seem to care. He didn't care whether the fruit of his labor was easy to get at or that his message would be easy to understand. His objective was simply to please himself. And if you didn't understand what he painted, well, that's your fault. And as I studied today's text here in Luke chapter 8, it occurred to me that Jesus didn't want us to have that same kind of attitude when we handle his seat. It is not about pleasing us. It's his seed. It's his message. He wants us to care whether or not his message is easily available, if it's easily understood. And Matthew 28 tells us the almost last instructions. Jesus left his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. In Matthew 28. 19-20. through In other words, be good stewards of my seed. Go and tell others what you've learned about Jesus. Make disciples of them. Baptize them and teach them what he's commanded. And our parable this morning implies that this is more than just a good suggestion. So hold that thought. We'll come back to it later. But before we get to that, let's back up a little and review the story told here in Luke 8. First, as large crowd gathers, they're flocking Jesus, and Jesus speaks to them this story, the parable of the four soils. And then after Jesus tells the parable, his disciples pull him aside and ask, what does this mean? Luke 8, 9, it tells us, his disciples ask him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest, it is given to them in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have turned, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So, let's see, a large crowd, here's the message, the the story that Jesus tells them. But even the disciples after this, they hear this story, and even the disciples have to go to him afterwards and ask him, what does it mean? Because they're still scratching their head. And Jesus explains that, he taught the others and parables so that not everyone would understand what he had, had to say. They had ears to hear, but they weren't really listening all that well. The parable uh, was describing the group that was hearing it, right? The parable was talking about people who received the word of God, but it didn't sink in. And Jesus is telling this parable to people who were getting the seed of God. They were getting this parable, and yet it was not sinking in for them. They stood there, and the seed fell on them, but it didn't grow. They did not understand it. My mother's not here this morning, but she says they were hearing, but they weren't listening. It was going right through them. By contrast, he expected the disciples to both hear and to listen. He wanted them to understand the parable, and so he explains that the seed was the word of God, that the different soils represented the hearts of different kinds of people, and how these people received the seed into their hearts reflected what kind of soil they were. But why did Jesus do it this way? Why didn't he just tell the whole crowd what he had just said to his disciples. You know, Johnny Appleseed, he wanted apples to be available to everyone, and he wanted Christ to be easily understood by everyone. But was he wrong in that endeavor? Did Christ give us an example that says, no, not everyone should understand who he is. Not everyone should understand the seed. Should the news about Christ be kept in secret? Well, some have speculated that Jesus used parables to get the people's attention and to describe spiritual truths in a more digestible way. That's why I use illustrations. They capture people's attention. They get them to understand spiritual truths that otherwise they might not be able to understand. But I think there is an even deeper reason why Jesus talked to the people in parables, and he explains it to some degree. Matthew records a little more for us uh, in chapter 13, verse 10. It says, The disciples came and said to him, just like, Uh, Luke records, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered, and he said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand and uh, excuse me and in them the prophecy of isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that i should heal them but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear for assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, at first glance, we might think, well, Jesus tells the parables because he wants some people not to understand. He doesn't want everyone to understand what he is saying, but that's not what this passage in Matthew chapter 13 is telling us. He's not saying that he didn't want people to hear and receive God's truth. He's just being realistic. Jesus knew there are people out there who don't really want to understand what God has to say. He could explain himself till he was blue in the face to these people, but they would just give him a blank stare back. A while back, Time Magazine did a a survey of religious scholars of different uh, varieties called the Jesus Seminar, and apparently some self-appointed scholars got together and they questioned the authenticity of the Gospels in the Bible. And so they've been meeting about twice a year for a few years now to vote on which sections of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were actually recording the true history of Jesus. And when it came to the parables, the article explained that these scholars decided that they preferred parables without explicit applications. Let that soak in for a second. In other words, they like the parables. They're nice stories. They're fine to listen to. They just don't want to be told what they actually meant. They liked it to be kept up to their own imagination. They had eyes to see, but they refused to see. They had ears to hear, but they refused to listen. All around us, we are confronted by people who can hear the truth, but they would rather not listen. Now, besides that very real rejection of truth by God's people, there is, or excuse me, truth Uh, God's truth by people. I hope that God's people are not rejecting truth. But there's also another reason why Jesus didn't explain the parable to the crowds, because he says some people legitimately do want to hear truth, and they are striving to understand this parable. But Jesus says, I could have explained it, but they would not understand it anyways. The parables, they were merely told by Jesus to catch their interest and get them to want more. But they didn't comprehend the spiritual truth in this parable because they couldn't. It's impossible for unspiritual people to fully understand spiritual truths. First Corinthians 2, verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have, Paul speaking of Christians, the mind of Christ. We cannot Oh, I had it up there. See? We cannot understand the truth of God without God. It simply is not possible. Until we become Christians, the stories of Jesus, they can catch our attention, they can pique our interest, but they cannot soak in fully until we have the mind of Christ, until God's Spirit dwells within us. Now, don't get me wrong, and we're talking about this on Wednesday nights, and I hope you'll join us for that study, but we can open up the Bible, and we can read the same words as anyone else can We can read the same stories. We can see the same commands in Scripture as anyone else. That is not what Paul is talking about here in his letter to the Corinthians. The Spirit doesn't teach us how to read or hear. He doesn't teach us how we can uh, understand context. Those aren't the things the Spirit teaches us. But the Spirit does teach us how to listen. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are not blurred out to him, not missing for him. They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It's not that once we become a Christian, God beams a book into our hands that finally we can read fully. No, just before, it was foolishness to us. We didn't comprehend it. As Christians, we don't have to speak from our own wisdom anymore. We can listen to and speak from God's wisdom through the Spirit because now we can finally wrap our minds around it. Let me give you an example. Philippians 4, 6, it tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus can give us peace. He can free us from anxiety in all situations, even in those moments when we should feel anxious. Now, before we became Christians, we could read that same verse. We could see those same promises about eternal life and freedom from the temporary worries in our lives, and we could still uh, argue points of doctrine about the blessings God has given us. But after we became Christians, we aren't just reading and debating it anymore. We are feeling it. We understand what that peace is finally. The rest of the world, I don't know. I don't know. It's up there somewhere. The rest of the world doesn't understand it. It's beyond their understanding. But once we're Christians, we don't just have to read the words and take God's word for it anymore. We know it. We can feel it. We know we have that peace finally. Jesus can give us peace. And after the gift of the Spirit, I feel God's presence. I know that he is in control. And I know what that peace feels like. And we can read in Acts to see how we can lay hold of God's Spirit. In that chapter, we're told that Peter preached such a powerful sermon that the crowd interrupted his message to ask what they could do. And in Acts 2.38, we know it tells us, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And notice what it says. When you repent of your sins, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of those sins, then God gives you his Holy Spirit to live within you. The, The Spirit is not some dormant thing that that sets on a a shelf like some inanimate object. No, the Spirit of God is a a living and active being that not only marks us as belonging to God, but works within us to comfort us, to to help us, to teach us spiritual truths. And one of the tools that the Spirit uses to teach us with is this seed that we see in Luke chapter 8 in God's Word. That's why it is so critical for us to constantly expose ourselves to Scripture on Sunday mornings and on Monday mornings and Tuesday mornings and Wednesday mornings and so on. That's why it's so important to be here for classes and Bible studies and our own personal study time. The more we study God's Word, the more material God's Spirit can work with us on to teach us and to lead us into these deeper spiritual truths that we now have access to because of our relationship with Him. But without the Spirit, that kind of listening just is not possible. Now, Let's see. When we're given the gift of the Spirit, as Acts chapter 2 has described, we are able to rely on the mind of Christ. But sometimes others, eh, that's back one. Ah, I don't know. There. Sometimes others just won't be able to understand that. That's the flip side of this. Once we become Christians, we have access to an understanding we couldn't possibly have before because we weren't feeling it. We might have been reading it. We might have been comprehending it, but we could not feel it yet. And as Christians, we now have access to that. But now we're looking out into the world and we're surrounded by people who don't have that understanding yet. They cannot relate to that. Look back to our example from Philippians chapter four, the peace of God surpasses All understanding. Without the Spirit, we don't have that peace. We can understand how it's possible. We can understand that because Christians are guaranteed eternal life by the the grace of God, we can understand intellectually how that peace is possible, but we don't have it yet, so we cannot understand it fully without the Spirit. With the Spirit, though, we can find peace even while the world collapses around us, and those without the Spirit just will not Comprehend that. It will be foolishness to them. They need the Spirit to guide them into that understanding. Remember from that interview with Norman Rockwell that there are some artists out there who who he said just don't seem to care about the so-called unwashed masses if they understood their art. They just throw paint on a canvas and they're satisfied that it's pleasing to them with no regard if anyone else can understand it. Jesus was not like that. He didn't speak in parables because he didn't want people to understand. In fact, Jesus was very concerned about our understanding his truth, because by that truth, we could be set free. He promised us in John 8, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If we cling to the Word of God and adopt the mindset of Christ that the Spirit offers, then we won't just have to know some metaphors that we can interpret as we please. No, we will know the truth. We will know God's truth. And Jesus came so that the whole world would have access to that truth. He didn't want us to misunderstand. That's not why he spoke in parables. Wanting to misunderstand is not why Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in parables because he wanted to show people... Not he didn't want to force misunderstanding on them. He wanted to show them that they already misunderstood. That it was already foolishness foolishness to them. It was already uh, they were already deceiving themselves. They just didn't know it yet. They needed something more than what they already had to understand the spiritual truths that Jesus was offering them. And I think the reason this is the parable that Jesus chose to explain why he spoke in parables. right? He spoke lots of parables. This is the one he chose to tell the disciples, this is why I speak this way, that not everyone understands. So the reason why he chose this parable, I think that's important too. He is just given this parable about sowing seeds. which He later on explains that's about evangelism, right? And I am the sower casting out God's seed into the world. And so his explanation of why he speaks in parables is important because this inability to uh, reach the people with the seed to understand it fully, that affects my seed sowing, too. Now, how many of you have tried to tell someone about Jesus, and it feels like you're just hitting a brick wall? You tell them uh, you think that you have the greatest news mankind has ever received. The actual son of God was, or God was born to a virgin. He taught, he performed miracles here on earth. And then despite having the power to conquer everything, he chose to allow himself to die, to be crucified. And then he rose so we could be set free from our sins and the consequence that was death. That is the greatest news that mankind has ever heard. And sometimes when we're telling people, it feels like we just get a blank stare in return. And that's why we cannot stop here in Luke chapter 8 at the end of this parable. Too often, verse 15 is where we lead off, but I think that for the benefit of these disciples, Jesus expands on this parable to teach us how we can break through that wall. He says to the disciples, there it is, no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who may enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away from him. So, in the second parable, Jesus shifts from telling about the way his message is received by others to explaining how and by whom the message is given. He's essentially telling his disciples, I speak in parables because if I spoke plainly with people, they still would not be able to understand. They would not be able to comprehend it. It would be foolishness to them. But this is how you make them understand. This is how you get past those blank stairs, and guess what? You're it it is your responsibility he's entrusting them with his light and he wants them to place his light in such a way that it shines everywhere and the world could easily see and understand the message and jesus was also declaring that he expects whoever follows him and loves him to also be good stewards of his seed and of his light and that means that we are expected to be farmers We spread the seed. It means we are housekeepers who place the lamp up high so others can see. But sometimes that means something different than what we think it does. Sometimes we we think that being sowers of the seed means we have to go out on the street and yell at someone to get them to come in this building once a week. We think that's our job. Jesus says sometimes that's not going to work. Sometimes you can plainly explain spiritual truths to people, but it will be foolishness to them. Sometimes you can use every word imaginable, and it will not be enough. Sometimes you just have to let your light shine. We are the ones that go out into our community of people who do not understand the gift that God is offering them, and we show them. Now let me be clear, this is not a a dormant or laid-back process. Sometimes we look at the second parable, and we say, I just have to let my light shine. It's not about going in and doing the hard work of preaching the gospel. We just have to be ourselves. We have to be Christians, and that will be enough. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not uh, taking away any responsibility off of our shoulders. He's simply saying we have to use a little more tact. Sometimes we point to this parable to get an excuse, but instead we should think, we shouldn't think that we just have to live righteously and that will be enough. That couldn't be farther from the truth. We have to actively seek out these opportunities to bring others, to show them the light. And this is so important to God that Paul explains it this way in Romans 10. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what we read in class this morning. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, in verses 13 through 15 of Romans chapter 10. And unless people hear about Jesus from you, and unless they see him in you, they may not know what God has offered them. It, because you didn't cast that seed in the field. And you left it in the sack to rot because you felt like, there's something better to do. We become like that modern artist. We paint a picture, but it's only for our own enjoyment. We have that peace that surpasses all understanding, and we're fine just keeping it inside for our own enjoyment instead of, of seeking ways to explain it to other people. And so Luke chapter 8 tells that the word of God is like a seed, like the ones that Johnny Appleseed would plant. Sometimes those seeds landed on good soil, sometimes on bad but all who had ears to hear were called to hear even more to listen, though. And Jesus told this parable as uh, a story because even some of the people who were listening to it, who were right there with Jesus, who had the benefit of hearing it straight from the Son of God's mouth, they weren't really listening. They weren't the fertile soil that he talked to. And here in verses 16 through 18, he tells his disciples how they can then go and reach these people who are struggling to understand. And it wasn't just by forcing all the answers on them. The the way we do it is by shining his light in the world. Sometimes it's not about saying the right words or or getting a a friend to come on the right Sunday. It's just about acting like Jesus. It's about showing our faith to others instead of tucking it away. That's simple enough. And, And so the real question becomes, what if we don't want to do this? It's pretty simple what we're supposed to do. The question becomes, I'm not too qualified. I'm not qualified to go talking to people about Jesus, so I, I really feel like I should leave this to someone else who has more experience to do it. And I get that. I'm there with you. But if we believe that, someone sold us a bill of goods. There are plenty of people out there who have convinced their people that you have to be ordained, figuratively or literally, to do the work a ministry, And that's simply not true. Once you and I become Christians, we became priests of the Most High God. 1 Peter 2, 5-9 through 9 tells us we have the privilege of handling the cup and the bread at communion. We have the honor of being able to share our faith. We have been allowed the joy of bringing others into this kingdom. And as priests of God, we are allowed to handle the sacred things of God. And as priests of God, not only do we have the privilege, we have the responsibility to handle the sacred things of God. And God deliberately made these things as simple as possible. So the only question left for us is, are we willing to do it? That's part of the message in the parable Jesus tells us here. A farmer goes out into this field, he scatters the seed, throwing the seed and it ends up uh, going everywhere. The farmer threw his seed on the weeds and on the footpath beside the field and on the shallow ground and on the rich land. The seed landed everywhere. A farmer didn't have to be particularly skilled to do this work. A three-year-old could do it. But if you're going to get a crop, someone had to do it. Somebody had to go out and say, the Bible says, I'm it. We've got a lot of work to do. There are people outside these walls who need the seed of the Word of God. They need to hear this week that Christ died for them so that they could be set free from their sins. They need to hear that they need His grace. There are people inside these walls who maybe the seed was planted at some point, but as Jesus put it, the gospel is being choked out with cares and riches, pleasures of life, or temptations, and they aren't growing like they want to. It is our job this week, not just to preach the truth at them, but to let them see how the truth is transforming our lives, to let them see that light shine. So set a reminder on your phone, write it down on a post it note. Find an opportunity this week to show someone who Jesus is, then tell them about him. It's so important that we talk about doing this because we truly do have the greatest message the world has ever received. It is a message that has the power to set each and every one of us free from death and promises eternal life for those who give their lives to the Lord. And if you want the light of that news to shine in your life, if you don't want to keep it a secret any longer, like Jesus warns us not to, you believe that you need the help that only Jesus can offer. If you've heard and now believe want to be baptized, and you want to come to the front of the room, we're waiting to help you.